So you can be seated, get out your Bibles, and if you want a Bible and you don't have one, just slip up your hand. We have some in the back, and Rob will get one to you. He'll fling it, frisbee it to you. I have to make, confess something this morning before I begin. Um, <clears throat> this morning, I, uh, I, uh, I'm involved uh, in triathlon myself, and I just do the shortest distances, um, not like these guys in the back. They're pretty hardcore, but this morning I did one in Katy, and uh, it was cold. It was really cold. And, um, <clears throat> but anyway, so on the bike course, there's this, there's this point. I just have to confess this. There's this point where something like registers in my head in competition, and I just started talking trash to these people as I was going by them. And, and I would be like, come on, I'm about to pass you. I'm about to pass you, which the only other thing you hear out there is left, left. Well, I, I passed. There's lots of um, elderly people out there, so I was passing all of them, and um, <clears throat> man, it was really awesome. And then there's this guy at the end, and he was doing the relay, so he was really cranking, right? And um, and he passed me, and I was like, oh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> so I went to pass him, and he, and he says this. He says this to me, you need to slow down. I was like, this is a race. Why in the world would I slow down? So anyway, glad I got that off my chest. Um, but I didn't know if I was going to make it in time. I told JJ, I was like, have some extra songs ready in case I drown, you know. Um, but it was pretty incredible just being out there. And on a, on a morning where I'm teaching in this series um, <clears throat> called Measures, and this morning is about passion. And it really makes sense to me, having just come from this event where people are very passionate about fitness and about competition, and um, people are really willing to wring themselves out to, to see what their bodies can do, and, and it's pretty incredible, and, and you know, honestly, though, a type of passion that is exhibited in a sporting event or some sort of uh, physical uh, endeavor like that is so temporary, right? It really doesn't matter. At the, we're all going to die, and at the end, you know, um, uh, it, you know, it's important to take care of your body, but that does not have eternal significance. The Bible says that physical Fitness has a temporary significance. It is significant and temporary, but spiritual training has eternal significance. So here what we're doing this morning is talking about, about passion, which is a, a bit of a spiritual training for us. You know, passion is a favorite topic of mine, and it's, it's the kind of thing that bubbles up in your soul. It, it, passion awakens you in the night, and it can bring you to tears. Passion is like adrenaline. It gives you the strength or the energy or excitement that you need to accomplish extraordinary things. One year ago, in October of 2010, a group of about 30 people that at that time made up what is now Neartown Church began together and asked this question. How do we know when we are successful at accomplishing the mission that God has given us? We don't want to just do church. How do we know when we're successful? What are the marks of discipleship? We knew that we didn't want to measure success based primarily on how many people we could get into a room, although that is important. We didn't want to measure success based primarily on how much money we have or how much we could give away, although those things are significant. We wanted to figure out some ways to measure success from the scripture 
that were marks of discipleship. These are things that our people will exhibit in their lives. And when they exhibit these things in their lives, they will look a lot like Jesus Christ. So we listed dozens and dozens of characteristics. It was quite a fun exercise. Everybody had something to say. We, we, we listed every characteristic that you can imagine. And we thought a lot about Jesus. Who is Jesus? What was he like? What did he do? And, and how are we to be like him? There was a point, honestly, where I got very frustrated because it was like we were listing all of these things and I just couldn't wrap my mind around something that was manageable. I mean, we cannot have this idea that we're going to somehow create superhumans, right? We can't have this idealistic um, thinking that lists 45 points and we want you to aspire to these 45 things. I mean, nobody could meet that, right? Nobody could, certainly. So one day in my office, Andrew and I were working on trying to summarize all that had been listed. And, and I remember it vividly. Andrew at this point had gone home, and I'm, I'm leaning there in my office with my head up against the door. And I erased all that we had done. And I just said, Lord, what, what will disciples look like at Neartown Church? And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a picture of my oldest son, Kobe. And something came to me. It was like a voice in my heart said, what do you want him to look like when you are no longer responsible for him like you are now? And these six words came to mind. I want him to be a learner. We talked about that last week. I want him to be connected. I want him to be free. We talked about freedom two weeks ago. I want him to be generous. But one word that really rang in my heart. You see, we could know a lot about the Bible. We can be freed up from enslavement to sin. We can attend church a lot. You can, you can be a fairly good person and be generous in what you have and who you are. But this one word, passion. If your life lacks passion, you're missing out. I thought about that with my son, passion. I said, you know, if the disciples that are the people of Neartown Church are passionate, you know what it's going to mean? There are going to be times when they get in trouble. There are going to be times when you are going to act in a way that's going to seem irrational. You're going, there are going to be times where you're going to be, need some, some shepherding and some help because you are brought to tears and need to figure out and sift through all the emotion of your passion. But I promise you, as a pastor of Neartown Church, I believe God wants us to be passionate about what God has called us to. We must be This exercise that is Christianity is not a mere exercise. It is our lives. There was a point, and I've shared this before with you, where where I tried to ignore God's call to leave a large church and start a new one in the city. But something began waking me up at night, a passion for reaching people that do not have a church that makes sense to them. That was what it was. It woke me up at night. I began to weep over it and began to literally have anxiety over it. I mean, my passion began to boil up within me. Listen to this. Christian living without passion is like 
stacked wood. This is a good illustration. You know, this, it's gotten so cold. All these Houstonians, you know, are breaking out the coats, you know. I lived in Iowa for two years, which was kind of like hell, only the opposite, really cold. And um, uh, so Christian living without passion is like stacked wood, orderly but cold and lifeless, without that little spark of passion. It does nothing. Christian living without passion is like stacked wood, orderly but cold and lifeless. I pray that you will live passionately on mission with God. Now, as we think about passion and what the Bible says about passion, we must realize that passion is, is not the kind of living that's wild and without restraint, without boundary. Some people might hear the word passion and they think you can do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. That's not the kind of passion I'm talking about. In fact, the Bible warns against this kind of passion, calling it dishonorable. Romans chapter 1, Paul's talking about a group of people whose passions are running wild and he describes them as dishonorable. Listen carefully, Romans chapter 1 verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And in this context, he's talking about homosexual relationships. It's like their sexuality has just run wild. And it's led to a dishonorable relationships with each other and, event, and ultimately dishonoring God. When I say passion, I don't mean you can just do whatever. See, the kind of passion that the Bible talks about is the kind of passion that has a vision for God. A vision to know God and to live for God. The Bible actually talks about abstaining from the kinds of passions that wage war against your soul. So sinful passions. Do you know that passion without a vision for the mission of God is self-centered? So there are a lot of people that are passionate, but if there's not a vision for the mission of God, it's self-centered. It's ultimately about self. And it will likely fuel temptation, and lead to the sin that destroys a person. Here's an example. A passion to succeed in business is not wrong. But a passion to succeed in business without a vision for the mission of God can fuel the temptation to love money and eventually the materialism and greed or do whatever it takes kind of a mentality. A passion to fall in love. There's nothing wrong with passion to fall in love or being passionate about another person. You need that in your marriage. I'm passionate about my wife. I'll stop there. Um, But if your passion to fall in love does not have a vision for the mission of God, you see what I'm saying? Like your passion to fall in love. Some of you are about to be married, and this is important for you to hear. Your passion to fall in love and to be with that person, if it's just to experience the love of that person out of the context of the mission of God, then it's self-centered, and it will not offer you what you think you need. But if your passion to fall in love has a vision for the mission of God and what God is doing in the world, then you can experience the kind of passion and love in a relationship that God wants you to experience. You are to be passionate, but it must have a vision for the mission of God. Now, this is an important idea, this This notion that there are passions 
that could be dishonoring to God. You know, prior to being regenerate or entering into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're unable to manage your passions. Your passions will run wild. You're not freed up to be passionate on mission with God. If you are not truly a follower of Jesus Christ, you could say, I want to honor God with my passions, but you will be unable to do it. Why? Because you are enslaved to sin. That's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. If you open to Romans, you can flip a couple pages over. Talking to believers. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here's, here's what it looks like for those prior to being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Anyone who is in Christ has received the spirit which puts to death the unbridled, wild passion to sin. Some of you can remember that. I mean, you've recently come to Christ, and you can remember that kind of living where it was just like you lived passionately, but it was for yourself, and it was unbridled, and it was kind of wild. And sure, there was some enjoyment. Sure. Sin is pleasurable temporarily. Anyone who is in Christ has received the Spirit, which puts to death the unbridled, wild passion to sin. Now, now there's not a person in this room that's perfect and that's completely capable of managing their passions. Maybe today on the bike course, I got a little too passionate about beating other Clydesdales. That's the category that I'm in, it's Clydesdales. People over 200 pounds. And it's pretty funny because there's like a lot of brutes. And uh, one time... I got into the water with the other Clydesdales, and the man made a joke over the microphone. Oh, the water lever went up two inches. <laughs> so maybe I was a little too passionate about, about winning. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 talks a little bit about passions, what it's like prior to being in Christ. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Do you remember that? But would you be courageous enough? Just slip up your hand if you remember a time prior to Jesus that you lived in the passions of our flesh. Yeah, a few of you all. Yeah. Gosh, it's amazing. I won't put you on the spot to look around the room and see how God has radically transformed your lives and, and given focus to your passions for his glory. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and self-centered, and we're by nature children of wrath. See, when a person is passionate in the flesh and not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible describes them as children of wrath. Verse 4 of Ephesians 2 is important, though. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see, what Jesus does is Jesus takes your passions and he reorients them. He helps you to crucify your flesh. Paul bragged, it's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. 
with Jesus, we learn to, to crucify those passions that are wild and without limits. And then God gives us new passions. Passions with a vision for the mission of God. We begin to live in such a way that we think about other people more than we do ourselves. We begin to spend our money in such a way that we think about other people more than we do ourselves. We begin to talk in such a way that our passions are reflective of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are made alive to live passionately on mission with God. If you're here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you're a child of wrath, but God is merciful to you and invites you to this relationship with him. You say, what do I do? You just tell him what he already knows, and that is that you're a sinner, that you need God to save you. And what happens is remarkable. You are invited to the mission of God in the world. You see, passion on mission is like fire in control. But passion without a heart for God is like a fire gone wild. Over here on the tables that we'll use to celebrate communion a little later, there's a beautiful candle. And there's something that's powerful, that fire, but it's controlled. All of us can think of recently how the fires that swept across Texas and the Bastrop area were fires out of control and the kind of damage that they did, the kind of heartache that they left. Passion on mission is like fire in control and usable by God. Let me tell you something. When when godly passion is stirred in our hearts, we will do stuff that's radical. We'll do stuff that's crazy. Do you know how many people told me I was an idiot for leaving the church I was at before? People that I respected. And you know what? They were right. It didn't make sense. I'd show up every week and preach to a thousand people. But as I look at that, that doesn't make sense because what God did was begin to stir in me and my wife a passion for a group of people we have not even met. Some of you are here today. God began stirring our heart with a passion for people that the first few times we would meet them would not even want to have anything to do with us. God began to stir in our heart a passion for people that have attended church, some of them, and hate it. They think they know who Jesus is because their introduction to Jesus was by someone that misrepresented him. But when passion gets in your soul and begins to get caught up with a vision for the mission of God, you will begin to weep over what God weeps over in the world. You'll begin to to get stirred for what God gets stirred for in the world, you will easily trade your modern conveniences and and, and immediate needs for God's greater glory and God's greater fame when it comes to that. Jesus was a man with great passion. One of my favorite verses that alludes to the passion of Jesus with respect to those who are lost. It's in Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, it says, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without 
a shepherd. Now, when I say I want you to be passionate, we could talk about passion for lots of things, but really what I want us to kind of sink our teeth into is this idea of being passionate for people that are lost, people that do not have a relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And some of you are here, and in that definition, that's you. And I want you to, if you're here and you're like that, look into this conversation as we talk about what we think about how God views people that are lost. And I could give you some stats. I could, I could give you stats on the lostness in our world and in our city. They're all over the place. But I'm not going to do that. We've done that before, and there's a time and a place for that. I just want you to think for a moment about where you live every day. What's your world like every day? Are you a musician? Who, who is in that circle of influence? Are you a businessman? Who is in that circle of influence? Are you a um, full-time work out of the house mother? Who is in your circle of influence? Think about the lostness in those places. Think about the lostness at your children's schools. Think about the lostness at the place you went to celebrate somebody's upcoming engagement last night or upcoming wedding last night. Think about the lostness all around you every single day. Can you just for a moment begin to think about that? And if you're like me, I get kind of overwhelmed by it all. and think, oh man, you know, there's no way, you know, all this kind of stuff. Now, when you think about those places that you regularly go, I want you to think about four people. Just four of those people who are like sheep without a shepherd. Now, on the surface, you may think they don't need your Jesus, but they do. They may think they don't need Jesus, but they do. This is what the gospel proclaims. This is what we've received is the gospel that everybody needs Jesus. Because without Jesus, we're children of wrath. We've been entrusted with this gospel. And now we get to live passionately, distributing it to people that God puts in our lives. Can you, can you think of just four people? Let me ask you this. Do you feel compassion for them? Do you feel passionate for them in a way that stirs compassion? Does it bubble up within your soul? <clears throat> Some of you might want to be honest and just say, not really. Right? We, we just get used to ignoring people that do not know Jesus all around us. We just get used to it. And frankly, it's our church culture in this part of the world. It's completely acceptable to claim Jesus as Lord, and at the same time, ignore all of the things that if Jesus were here, he would care most about. It's not acceptable here. Not in this church. If I, as your pastor, ever get to a place where I operate like it's acceptable for us to ignore lost people, you find a new pastor. Find a new church. Don't follow me. See, I just realized in my own life that I have gotten used to ignoring all these people. And ultimately what we're saying is I don't care about the things that God ultimately cares about. I don't care about the thing that God wants to do in the world on mission, so much so that he sent his only begotten son to a cross to be brutally murdered This is what we're saying if we ignore, or if we don't get stirred up for the lost. 
I pray that we are people that are passionate, truly passionate about those that are around us that are like sheep without a shepherd. Recently, you may have heard that in the kind of church world, there was a, uh, a big, big problem, I guess. Um, there was a large, influential uh, pastor up in the north, young guy, has a lot of influence among young Christians, that wrote a book that basically said there is no hell. There's no literal hell. And it created a huge controversy in the circles that I run in. And in the church, I had people every single week for a period of about two months calling me or emailing me, asking me, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And, and it was disturbing to me because I knew, I mean, this happens, but I knew that this guy had a great influence on people. And um, it was sad, sad to me. And... Uh, so I was, I was frustrated by the fact that he, he wrote it. But then something occurred to me in the midst of it all. And it was that all these people were coming to me disturbed that this guy would write a book saying there's no literal hell when most of them live like there's no literal hell. Most of these people that were coming to me had no unbelieving friends, spent zero time trying to reach people who are like sheep without a shepherd. There's something wrong with that. Functionally, they believe the same thing. They may profess that they believe the Bible says there is a little literal hell, which it does. But, but in their lives and the way that they were living was as if there were no literal hell. Because surely, if they really believe there was a literal hell, and that God sends people there who do not confess Jesus as Lord, then they would... Get out of their circles. Get out of their Christian bubbles and actually meet some of these people that are lost. I want to just remind you that there's a church that's rebuked in the book of Revelation for lacking passion, being lukewarm. Um, and it's not too early. Even uh, we've, we're, we're approaching about, uh, you know, depending on when you count where we started, but about a year or so of being operational as a church. And it's not too early to begin talking about, are we passionate? Are you passionate? As an individual, are you passionately living on mission with God? Or have you got comfortable saying, I have a new church and I'll come whenever it's convenient? Or have you gotten comfortable are you passionately living on a mission with God? Is it incon an inconvenience to you for you to be challenged to, to identify four people in your life who are unchurched and begin praying for them and inviting them into your life in hopes of having faith conversations with them? That's our mission. That's it. Are you passionately living on mission with God? That's the only way to live. That is the only way to live. And if you are a claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ and at the same time don't care about the mission of God, you are a liar. You're not a follower of Jesus Christ because Jesus said in the Great Commission, which were some of his last words, go into all the world making disciples, finding people who don't worship me as king and tell them who I am and live as if you believe that so that they will become worshipers of the king. 
live with this kind of passion? What could be stifling your passion, I wonder? Maybe you're discouraged, and that happens, from, right? It happens in seasons. I get into seasons where I'm discouraged. Um, I have people around me that I, I just confess that to. I feel uh, discouraged from time to time on this mission. I do. I'm just, if you feel discouraged, like you begin building a relationship with somebody that doesn't share your faith in Jesus, and they reject you and reject you and reject you, and you start getting discouraged, and it might even call you to question whether or not what you believe is true, I just want you to know that's normal. That's completely normal. If you're discouraged, I, I just want to remind you how valuable it is to be a part of a church, connected to a church where you come every single Sunday, every time the church gathers, you're with the church. Hebrews chapter 10, the author talks about this pattern that was beginning in the early church, and he says, do not forsake the assembling together as some are in the habit of doing. So one reason you might be feeling discouraged or lacking passion is because your commitment to the body, which is incredibly important, is waning. It's only for some of you, I mean, not all of you. Are you feeling discouraged? You tell us. I found it completely awesome to just be able to tell somebody that I'm just feeling discouraged. And I say, you know what, Russell, you need to, sometimes I say, you know what, you quit being a baby. <laughs> you know, or they say, let's pray together. Or, you know, they just begin to preach the gospel to me, reminding me, you know, you might be discouraged thinking, well, I don't why this person won't believe. Well, I want you, it's not up to you whether or not they believe. It's up to you whether or not you actually introduce them to Jesus. But whether or not they believe, it's not up to you. It's up to God. God calls all men to himself. Maybe, maybe the reason you lack passion is because you have sin in your life. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, it will. It's like a big gaping hole in your passion bucket when you have sin. And, and there are some sins that are secret enough you don't want to tell anybody about them? And you think, well, I could kind of do this little thing here and I'll struggle over here on my own, but I'm going to be uh, a, a mission partner of Neartown Church. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus over here, but I'm just going to kind of deal with this on my own. You can't do it. You will, your passion will go out that big gaping hole of sin like crazy. It'll be a flood water of passion away from you. If you are sinning and you need, and all of us do, all of us struggle, I'm there. I struggle. Just like we're human beings, right? You don't have to be perfect to be here. If you sin, that's why God's given the church. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. The only way you have another to confess it to is if you're in Christian community. Find somebody that you can get connected with and begin to trust and so that you can say, you know, I'm struggling with sin. Maybe, maybe you are. Maybe you want to just come talk to me and say, I promise you, you will not tell me something I've never heard. I mean, there's some crazy stuff people do. And it's okay. God's grace is completely capable of cleansing whatever is going on in your life. Maybe the reason you're not passionate is because you're ignorant. And I don't mean stupid. I mean ignorant, like not knowledgeable. Maybe you're not passionate about lostness around you because you don't know the people that are around you. Maybe you're not passionate about the lostness around you because you don't know how really magnificent God is and what a wonderful thing He's doing in the world to put His glory on display by rescuing some from sin, by delivering some from the domain of darkness and transferring them into the kingdom of God's only Son, which is what Colossians 1 says. Maybe you're just ignorant. Maybe you just need to 
get educated in that area. Maybe you need to get around somebody that's passionate about reaching lost people and, and let that rub off on you a little bit. There are some people in here that are organizing their lives around the, reaching people who are far from God. You could get around them, spend time with them. It will rub off on you. Maybe you're not passionate because you're sinning in this area, apathy. Maybe you just need to go to God and say, God, I've just been lazy, apathetic. I've I've taken your grace and your mercy. I've lathered myself in it, and I've just gotten fat. Maybe you just need to say, God, break me from that. And it may take some time if that's your routine. If your routine in your Christian walk is apathy, it will take some time, and it will be painful. And it will require some suffering. You know, whenever Jesus, his passion is talked about, when we think of the idea of the passion of the Christ, what do we think about? We think about suffering. Here's the thing about passion. It will lead you into seasons of suffering. Why? Because it's not convenient to do uh, what God has called you to do on mission with him. It will be tough in seasons. I don't think it's always tough. There are seasons where there's some reprieve. There's like God kind of gives us like, okay, then you get back into it. It, it. It's just the way it is. If you've been trained or heard that Christianity is, is really easy, then you've been lied to. Um, this, this, Mission of God in the world is, requires that those that follow Jesus Christ uh, experience the difficulty that comes with it. Jesus said, the world will hate you because of me. That's incredible, isn't it? But what's beautiful about this mission of God with respect to our passion is that even in the midst of the difficulty, God will sustain you. It's in those moments where you're passionate about something. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I, uh, I, I have never felt more emotional. I'm just being transparent here. I've never felt more emotional despair than I felt in the last year, which is strange, right? I'm doing something God's called me to be passionate about. There have been moments where I've just been like, oh. But in those moments, there is an experience of Christ that far surpasses the difficulty. It far surpasses it. What I, what I, 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 I could walk away from this right now and go, Pastor, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to. Because I'm not passionate about all those things. I'm passionate about this. About seeing people come to Christ and be discipled in such a way that they could lead others to Christ. This is my passion. This is what I've given my life to. And you, many of you have also. But what, let me ask you this. Are you passionately living on mission with God? Is it reflected in how you spend your time and your money and your words? Are you in conversations with people that do not know Jesus? Are you building a relationship with them? Are you learning about their religion? Are you opening your eyes to them? They're all around you. It's really incredible. If you open your eyes, they're all around you. Many of you are doing this, and I want you to know, I pray for you daily that your passion will grow stronger and stronger and stronger, and that you'll wake up at night, and you'll begin to weep over the lostness of those other parents that 
you know from school or the lostness of your single friends or the lostness of, of your coworkers. Uh, I pray that we, just as Jesus, would recognize that these are sheep without a shepherd and they need Jesus. I pray that we as a church are passionate. I would, I would rather have a few who are really passionately on mission with God than a whole bunch that come and listen to a sermon.